0: This morning as we participate in the National Day of Prayer or the International Day of Prayer, we've been talking about this for uh, a while now and uh, what, what we're doing here is, is just the focus, the whole service is going to be focused on those who are persecuted around the world. There were several scriptures that we could choose. I chose uh, two to share with you this morning. One from 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. And we're looking at verses 3 and 4. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Paul writing, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. Because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Now, just take that by itself. That would be an awesome thing to be said to any church, <laughs> you, know, is that, you know, that your, your faith is growing, that your love for one another is, is growing. And then he goes on and says, therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God. Paul's going around, and, and, and when, he, when he's talking about other uh, people and other churches, he says, and oh, by the way, those Thessalonians, you know, let me tell you about the, their love for one another and their growing in the faith. And he says, we pray, uh, 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 we talk and boast about your steadfastness and your faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Here's a church in the midst of persecution and affliction. Paul is saying it's an awesome testimony to see you growing in faith and your love for one another increasing. And so here's Paul addressing the persecuted church in his own lifetime, uh, one himself having been persecuted and, and seeing the church persecuted and having actually been one who persecuted the church initially. And so uh, that picture of of what Paul says here is just that reminder that the whole the church, the persecuted church, as we hear about them, and and you'll hear uh, specific stories about situations. Uh, If you subscribe to, like, the Voice of the Martyr newsletter or some of the other groups like that, you'll get uh, prayer requests, this type of thing. These are the kinds of things, as we we look at that, we rejoice and boast in them. Thank you, Lord, for this testimony. Thank you, Lord, for what these people are enduring for your sake as a testimony to the rest of the world and to those around them, and part of our prayer life. In fact, Hebrews 13, which is the other scripture I wanted to draw your attention to this morning specifically, uh, 13.3 says, remember those who are in prison. As though in prison... With them And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Now, when we're talking about prison here, I, I believe the, the, the intent of the writer was specifically those who are in prison for their faith. And to identify with them, meaning to put yourself, try to put yourself in their shoes and, and, and then remember them. Uh, and And uh, the idea of remember them we'll look at more closely in just a minute. So, with those two scriptures in mind, uh, the first uh, idea is 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 uh, have you ever have uh, I, I don't know how to put this because we we look at the word persecution as as in such a broad way. Uh, and I want to look at it in the broadest way we possibly can for just a moment and just ask, have you ever suffered, and, and I'm not, not a show of hands, is, you know, but but have you ever suffered persecution? Meaning, have you ever been, I, I, I say the persecution can go everything from the, the look, uh, the rolled eyes, you know, in the sense of the put down, or... Down to that point of of uh, friends who were your close friends, and after you became a Christian, uh, no longer found you a person they liked to be around. Kathy and I encountered that in a in a in a kind of a stark way. Uh, a couple that we were really good friends with uh, shared an immense amount of time with, uh, and and uh, when his wife became a Christian he he put the guard up and 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 really it made it di- difficult for her even in his life after we had become christians we went back to visit them and it was made extremely clear that we were no longer welcome in the house and uh you know that's the way the 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 husband had been he's just he he barred christians from his home basically he didn't want them there and uh and so, you know, there's that kind, and within the framework of family, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, family members who, uh, again, kind of roll their eyes or, or, or whatever. My, my, uh, uh, my, my stepmom, and of course, she wasn't thinking real clearly, but she was at one point wondering if I wasn't a part of a cult, um, because I had given, you know, when we became Christians, we started going to church and. We didn't just go to church Sunday, but we went Sunday night and midweek and a Bible study. And, and, and then I went off to Bible college, and, and it was kind of like, oh, no, oh, no. You know? And so, uh, you know, uh, but then it can go even further, obviously, as you look at the, 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 the folder in there and the map and the different descriptions there. It can go from where you're in just a hostile environment, meaning that, that people uh, may attack you, they actually may uh, uh, do uh, uh, defacing and even destruction in the sense of homes and and and, and uh, church buildings. Right now in Egypt, uh, the the church in all aspects of the of the, it, you wear the name Christian. This is going to happen to you. Your church can be burned down. Uh, your pastor seized, put in prison. Uh, taken to the street and beaten. And in some cases, there have been some some deaths, uh, all in just the last 18 months. Um, you go to Sudan. We're gathering the packets for Sudan. Is that correct? Uh, and, and, and putting those together. Uh, the Sudanese have been divided into two. Countries uh, through a, a kind of a civil war and then a secession of the South from the North, <laughs> and uh, there's a great amount of disputed property, especially some oil-rich property, uh, on their borders. And there's this constant. The North has decided that even though they they have a constitution in place which is does not endorse this, that they have be decided that they are going to become a Sharia law Islamic state, and in and and so they're going to. And they, it's an interesting thing. They're going to um, deport or, or, or uh, you know, send out of the country, deport all the Southerners, and you put that in quote because Southerners mean anybody who's a Christian comes into that category, even if they've never lived in the Southern section, they're, they're wanting to get rid of them. They're destroying their villages, their churches. Uh, they're, they're, again, there's been uh, murders. And so it's it's a, a you know I mean, it just it's it's going on and we and I guess the thing that, that was kind of catching me was you know I I think <laughs> I know and understand about what it is you know I mean I I I read um, I see the pictures and I I have you know in some cases. And I caution you, if you go to some of the websites that are the persecuted church, if you go into some of their portfolios, their picture galleries, uh, there are some very graphic pictures. And uh, it's like viewing, for me in my lifetime, it would be like viewing the Vietnam War scenes in some cases. Uh, it, it's 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 mind boggling, and and to, to know that this is the persecution going on against Christians. And so I think I've got a grasp of it. But over the last several weeks, actually through our grief share study, I've come to an understanding of what I don't know. Meaning, you know, there's a part of it until you've been there, experienced it, and lived in it, you really don't. No. And the grief share, we understand that with grief. Losing a husband or losing a child or losing a parent. Uh, You know, uh, they all have different aspects of of how they affect you and change your life. And persecution is another area of, of, of something like that that until you've actually experienced it, the closest I've come, was losing a job because I was a Christian. And the irony was I ended up getting that job back. Uh, The the initial person who hired me died, and the manager couldn't wait to get rid of me uh, because I was the guy who asked to have Sundays off. And they said, well, we have to have all the employees vote and uh, if they'll let you have Sunday off unanimously because there's certain workloads that everybody fills in and this store was biggest day was Sunday. Uh, he's, you know, okay. They voted unanimously. And, and so I got it off and he was furious because he didn't think it would happen that way. And, and then the next two months, <laughs> God blessed me in sales, its commissions, People just came into the store, grabbed me, and says, I want that. <laughs> you know, and my, my commission sales were at the top of the bracket. And when the boss, the owner that hired me died, he fired me. And nine months later or so, the owner, the the, the father who had taken back the business, was going through, and he says, well, why did this guy get fired? What did he do? And... He you know, he. the guy said, well, he, you know, he just, he's not a team player. He well, you know, you know so he called me up and came and talked to me. And I said, I really don't know. I, this is just da, da, da. he hired me back. And I spent the rest of my Bible college working for that company. So that's the closest to persecution I've come. And God blessed me immediately with another job. That actually did a unique thing. I worked for a company that ends up that's owned by Mormons, Kelly Moore Paints. And, and uh, when I asked for the summer off for ministry, they just assumed always oh, one of those, and they gave it to me. <laughs> so uh, you know, I haven't experienced anything to speak of. But one thing I've come across, and I have to confess my ignorance until these last few months, the the, the material that uh, that, uh, Mark and Laura have been putting out on the table back here for the the martyrs' uh, magazines and all those kinds of things, this is embarrassing. Um, I tend to be one of those people that more often than not, when the commercial of Starving Kids comes up, I might flip the channel. That's not easy to admit, but I mean, it's just that out of sight, out of mind. And in looking at this, I mean, I've always been aware of it. I've, it's always been a part of my prayer life. We've had some good friends, well, acquaintances, that have been missionaries, especially behind the Iron Curtain when that was the case. And, and, uh, and, and so it's not like I'm ignorant, but it's not been a real intent part of my ministry or my focus. Persecution on the church is on the rise. Again, that map insert shows you all the, all the countries involved One statistic that I, I, was re, I read the, a few weeks ago, there are, uh, there are, there are more martyrs, martyrs in the 20th century than the whole previous 1,900 years in the 20th century. And it's on the rise. The current daily estimate, But the number of Christians who die is somewhere around 400. It's hard to get an exact number. You'll hear 350 to 450, maybe even 500. But but I tried to be in the middle. Plus hundreds and more on a daily basis at lesser levels of persecution than giving their life. Going to prison, losing their jobs, losing their families, Losing their property, their property being confiscated, them being just literally put out. And yet, there's an amazing commitment that you start to realize as you read the, 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 about the church and all of these places. A commitment, well, that even got Paul's attention, <laughs> you know, from the Thessalonians. When he heard about it, you know, he says, your commitment is amazing in the face of persecution. And I, and I was thinking of a, something a friend of mine shared with me. He wasn't a Christian yet. He says, I just don't understand. And we were talking about you know, the persecuted church at this point. This was years and years ago. He says, why don't they just simply take a low profile if they get caught, deny, and, and go on to worship another day. And being a fairly new Christian myself at that point, it was kind of hard to, to say other than what was in my heart, what I felt. And he says, so you're saying if, if it was wrong, you, wouldn't, you, you would not you would stand and say, no, I'm a Christian. And I, all I could think of was a song that we'd heard played by a, a group from Ozark Bible College in a presentation is there enough evidence to convict you in your life of being a Christian if, if it would become illegal? It was written on a story that came out of Chile. And this one guy ended up getting arrested uh, uh, and, and convicted. <laughs> because And he wasn't even preaching on the street corners. There was just enough evidence in his life. And I said, you know, and that so struck me. I, I thought, that's the one I want to be. That's the way I want my life to be, Lord. It's not the you know this take the easy route, just go ahead and deny and, and not mean it, you know kind of thing. It's not the way the, the the people who've been touched by the Holy Spirit, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, uh, who know the way, the truth and the life. this isn't their response. instead, we take what I call the Peter John position, and uh, that takes you know goes over to to the book of Acts uh, well, the book of Acts, in chapter four, uh, starting with uh, verse thirteen, I'm going to read this this passage here. Uh, now, then, they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. This is the 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 Sanhedrin, the council, after they had uh, uh, healed the, the 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 man that, that was. Uh, uh, His legs were were paralyzed. I, I I can't lame anyway. The lame man. There we go. Whew. And thank you, Arlene. I needed that. Uh, and and so they they said, "Hey, the uneducated, uneducated common men. They were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus." <laughs> I love it. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that, you know, for, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. Now, these were the authority for the Hebrew people, the authority of the land. These are the, 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 the people you obey. And so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, it would have been just at that point to say nothing and leave. But the Peter-John physician, listen to this, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, <laughs> they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened, for the man on whom... The sign of healing was performed, was more than 40 years old. <laughs> you know. But you see the position they took. By the way, they they do the same thing again in chapter 5 when they get brought back. Okay. And they said, you know, you can assess for yourself what you would do, but we must do this. We must stand. And it's the case of the martyrs all through the history. There wouldn't be martyrs if they hadn't taken this position over and over and over again individuals, and in sometimes whole churches and villages persecuted and, and destroyed because they refused to give on that area of, no, Christ is ours. And Paul's position became a reality for them, to live as Christ but to die is gain. So the commitment is, is, is there. They take that Peter-John position and again, taking Hebrews 13 3, which we've already looked at, I want to add to that 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 26. Uh, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Okay, keep that, you know. If one member suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. We got that also in, in chapter twelve, verse fifteen of Romans we those you know we rejoice together and we weep together and the thing that's in common is the in this you might not catch until you add verse 3 of hebrews in the sense of remember those who are in prison as if you were one of them and there's a common theme persecution is not to be suffered alone church through prayer and support are to suffer with them it's not it's, it's really easy for me to look at it this way oh there's the persecuted church here's the western church in the United States but that's not it that, that kind of becomes them and, 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 and us kind of thing it's just simply the church. And so it's us. <laughs> it's we. It's the church who is being persecuted, who is, being, is suffering, and we are to come alongside and share our, the grief and the sorrow and also the victories and the rejoicing with them as we hear about it in our prayer life, the way we support even financially. And the word remember here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, the word remember is, is, is more than just calling to mind. It's identifying with them. I think of, of Colossians 4, uh, the very last verse of Colossians, uh, the verse of, of, of Colossians, in fact, of Colossians four eighteen, 18, uh, where uh, in, in the closing, uh, Paul says, Remember my chain." And it's the saying, Lord, remember my chains. Identify with me in my chains. Remember my chains and keep me in prayer. And, and, and uh, there was a time of, of need that, that Paul was, was down and suffering. He, and the church comes alongside and ministers to him. But he wants prayer. He asks for prayer. And then he also shares some amazing things that happen while he's in chain and asks us to rejoice about them. So a lot of times people say, well, what is it I need to pray for? Well, today in the, in the bulletin, uh, there's, there's the two inserts, but there's the one with the praying hands on it. Uh, on the backside, there's seven day, things to pray for seven days. That's a great starting point. But hopefully, and this is what we're hoping from a leadership point of view, is that all of us will become more aware of this and make it a regular part of our prayer life but also there is the possibility of supporting somebody says do you support directly the voice of the martyrs no we do not have a monthly amount of money we send we periodically have sent money to them and other groups but but it's not a regular support somebody says well uh, how do, if we give the money to you will you give it to them of course we will but you don't have to go through us there's even you know you can go direct. They even have a place online. And I, I was reading, this quote off of one of the blogs. <laughs> Put your money where your prayers are. I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> you know, but there's a position that we're told. You know, James says if you're going to pray for somebody and you have the means to help them, then it's a sin if you don't. God gives you the means to to help, then He's giving you more than just the uh, the need to pray. And it doesn't require the, the 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 church as a as a group here to facilitate that for you. There's there's it's it's something so e- it's been made so easy for us to participate anymore. I I also taking back from something that was was presented years ago on on discipline and when I say discipline I mean the idea of disciplined christian walk you know prayer fasting this type of thing and uh to show you how old this was this guy says we need to 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 fast from our technology you know your phone and your television <laughs> and he was referring to the phone <laughs> hello phone cord landline okay um But I I thought about that in application here. What if you were to take, I don't know, one day a quarter, one day a month, whatever God would lead you in, and fast from your technology for the sake of prayer for the, the persecuted church or any aspect of prayer that you would feel led to do? And within the framework of all of this, the prayer—you know that when when you're sick, you're in the hospital, or you're in trials and tribulations, you're on the prayer list, and you know that there are people praying for you. In fact, there's a, a way of sharing your commitment with the, with the voice of the martyrs to let it say, "Yes, we are going to pray for you." They, let this, they get this information to the people. They say, do you realize that there are people in Fortuna, California, praying for you? They, let, they, they, they find ways to get this information. When I was uh, having my, uh, my heart surgery, to find out that there were people praying for me in South Africa because somebody from here who knew me shared with here, that shared with here, that shared with there, and, and that type of thing. And it's so uplifting. There's a sense of, of, of strength that comes to you just knowing that people are praying for you. That you haven't been forgotten. That someone cares. Now I just wanted to share this last part with you. In the midst of persecution, there are times of rejoicing. Again, for one thing, God's word is having an effect. <laughs> There'd be no persecution if God's word wasn't being successful. It's actually having an effect. New Testament example: Paul in prison. In Philippians, in, in chapter one, he talks about he's in prison and he, and, and and he's he's. Every place he goes, one of the Imperial Guard uh, has to go with him. And his comment is the whole Imperial Guard has heard. <laughs> you know. And some of them have actually, you know, they, they became Christians. You know, so Paul say, you know, I'm a, I've got a captive audience. I've taken advantage of it. You can do that even in a hospital. You're a patient in a hospital. All of a sudden the orderlies, the people around, stuff like that, you get to say, you know, they say, Well, are you're, you're handling this well. Well, it's Christ in me. You know, the opportunity to share. And Paul says, in prison, I have that. What about the Philippian uh, jailer story? Paul's not only getting the, jail, the he, they put him in prison to, 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 to isolate him, and he starts leading prisoners, to, and they're singing hymns. Okay? And then because of the, the the faithfulness of Paul to listening and taking the lead of the Lord, when the earthquake opens everything up, he says, no, everybody stay. It's the right thing to do. And they did. And the jailer is amazed, and, and after he hears everything, he becomes a Christian. And not only he, but his whole family becomes a Christian. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting picture that, that you see. Uh, there's a off of a blog that's uh, from the Voice of the Martyrs classroom, uh, behind enemy lines, uh, just this brief, Thing. Throughout history, Christians have utilized persecution as an avenue for ministry. Persecution can place us in situations where we would not normally be or want to be. When we are put in prison or taken to the court of, for our faith, we have a venue that is not normally ours to utilize. We are thrust behind enemy lines where we can minister. Erwin McManus uh, writes in the, the barbarian way, if a Christ was won, if Christ has won our heart, He will lead us to advance forward behind enemy lines to win the hearts of those who do not yet know him or love him. Bianca uh, Adler, in the book Serving God in a Hostile Territory, tells of a situation in Romania when she had to decide how much risk she was willing to take to share the gospel. Pastor Wurmbrand uh, wanted to evangelize the Russian troops who had invaded their country. Bianca was a, a beautiful, young, vulnerable girl who had heard the reputation of these troops And how they treated women and girls she was however willing to take the risk and even though she was caught many times she was never harmed nor was her material ever confiscated a benefit of opposition is 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 profound dependence on god that drives us to prayer in acts 4 peter and john were summoned to appear before the sanhedrin the highest and most powerful legal body in and judaism in the time of jesus They gave a clear testimony to the gospel resulting in them being threatened but then let go. Their report caused the church to go to prayer for more boldness. The place where they were meeting began to shake and the Holy Spirit filled it and they went out declaring the Lord. Opposition can scatter the church, forcing it to uh, go out among the nations to preach in the gospel. In Acts 8, it says that the great persecution broke out uh, on the church in Jerusalem, and Christians were scattered through all of Judea and Samaria. Those who were scattered preached the gospel everywhere they went. Churches were formed, including Antioch, where Paul and Barnabas were called and commissioned to be missionaries. It just kept going, uh, and and what you know they meant to do to break it up and caused it to, to to flourish. This one I I really love. Noble Alexander, a Christian prisoner in Cuba describes how Cuban prison officials decided to break the back of Christianity in the prison by transferring members of the prison church to other prisons. (laughs) I almost don't need to read it, do I? Figuring that the uh, dispersion would destroy their unity. However, as a result of the forced dispersion, nine new prison churches were started in various prisons where Christians were transferred. What the prison officials meant for evil became a blessing when God turned a, uh, apparent defeat into glorious victory. The persecuted church in this situation is able to work among those who persecute them in a way that they only can do. Our prayers and our support for their ministry behind enemy lines is a need, is needed. And I read about their persecution. One of the things that should happen is it should cause me to be bolder in my freedom, a bolder witness, a bolder declaring and proclaiming. And possibly, you never know. As you pray, as you. Declare to God your concern for the the persecuted church, how God may open the door for missions to you. Not necessarily to the persecuted, but who knows? I've seen it happen. So as we go through the morning, I just would like you to kind of keep this focus. Remember those who are in prison. Boast to see as the church grows in spite of it and pray for these people specifically, individually, corporately, however God leads. And uh, part of our prayer service, uh, the rest of it will be committed to that kind of, uh, that picture. So uh, uh, I'd ask the, the worship team to come back and uh, a couple of songs and then we're going to do Uh, start our prayer time together.